Welcome to LEGO Football. On LEGO Football, for this episode, we've got a special guest all the way from Milano, previously all the way from Australia. It's Adriano Del Monte. His handle on Twitter is at Adrian Del Monte. He's one of the leading voices on Serie A and Italian football, not just on Twitter and the internet, but he is one of those faces you will always see. A number of broadcasting networks that Adrian represents in the English-speaking world of Serie A, based out of Milan with an Aussie twang, a familiar one for me. Adrian, welcome to the show. So wonderful to be with you. Thank you for the very kind introduction. And what an interesting time in, in Italian football. I'm going to go into a recent interview with the Italian football podcast that you had with Nima. You described the latest Serie A TV deal in the Middle East and North Africa in the MENA region as a mess and that there are serious questions to be asked of the powers that be. So tell us a little bit about your frustration there. We won't elaborate too much on that interview. We want listeners to go and listen to that as well. Tell us what's on your mind. It's a very interesting period because the, the MENA region being sports, being one of the key players in that region is one of the networks that I've covered Sadia for over the years. And last year, Serie A was broadcast and streamed live only on YouTube after a, a breakdown in talks between Bean and Serie A. Bean came back to the table this time around after some positive information that was passed on to them from some of the top clubs in Italy. They were keen to buy it back. It would have meant a significant financial investment back into the league, back into the clubs that could be reinvested into infrastructure and, and everything else that we need to improve here in Italy. But at the last moment, the talks broke down once again and uh, Serie A has gone elsewhere in that region for much less money. And look, it's it's hardly surprising. I think the story was a shock to some when the figures were released and just the difference in the two deals on the table. But just another frustrating own goal was the, the term used to, to describe it in that podcast where I explained the situation in a bit more depth for, again, our league, which is one of the best in world football it's one that we love to cover but one that continually shoots itself in the foot and and again we find ourselves now in a very difficult position where other leagues not only the premier league at the top but la liga the bundesliga even league earn uh, are starting to move forward financially are starting to improve slowly but surely and and i just feel and i fear that we are falling behind and I don't know what that means for the long-term future of the competition. Yeah, I, I really recommend people to go and listen to that interview on the Italian Football Podcast. You talked about how the Roma president led a group of Serie A club owner lobbyists, we'll call them, to get a deal done with being sports and instead Abu Dhabi Sports have brokered that deal to broadcast Serie A in the MENA region for a, a proper fraction of that price. That means less money for Serie A clubs, the staff, development and more, perhaps an inferior quality of coverage for fans there also? Well, that's the fear because obviously as the product loses its appeal, future rights deals are affected. And the longer that it goes on that we can't attract top stars, which has obviously been a problem now for the best part of a decade, again, we lose further appeal on the market. You just look at the MENA region itself and Again, the, the specifics of the figures of this deal that was done with Abu Dhabi Sports, when the next rights cycle comes around, why would a broadcaster pay significantly more than what was just paid in that region? So it has long-term impacts, long-term effects on, on the brand, on the competition. And particularly when we look at that region as one of the key regions, the key foreign markets, 
it's a big blow, a very, very big blow. And obviously the, the success hasn't been there on the pitch in Italy either in terms of European competitions. Obviously so great this season to have seen Roma win the first ever Conference League. But with respect to that, obviously our collective performances in the UEFA Champions League have, well, they've been non-existent, have they, since uh, obviously Inter's win in 2010, a couple of Champions League finals for Juventus, but we just have not been selling ourselves on or off the pitch very well. And this latest deal and this latest shambolic deal for me just does not help it at all. You're right. It's absolutely diminishing the appeal and the long-term future in terms of broadcasting rights and what they will be worth. And, you know, as you said, it's been a long time between Aperol Spritzers for Italy with uh, UEFA Champions League. You also mentioned in that pod there was a substantial difference in the earnings for broadcasting deals and what clubs can earn. You mentioned how the Premier League's bottom club earns more than the Serie A winner. Correct. And that's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. But it's credit. It's shocking. But it's credit to the Premier League, irrespective of what anyone thinks about the way the Premier League have gone about their business, their investments and everything else, the way that they have marketed their brand, the way that they have marketed their competition, for me, is is right up there in world sport, let alone just football. Yeah. They've done a phenomenal job to do what they have done. Some of the figures and what they spend these days, it's ridiculous. We know that. But they have the power now to dictate the market. And, and as such, another reason we start to fall behind. But you look at the fact that... I always used to refer to the one where Huddersfield finished bottom of the English Premier League with one of the lowest points tallies I can recall. And Huddersfield that year made more money from TV revenue than Juventus did, who had won at that point, I think it was their eighth straight title. This time around, of course, the likes of Watford and Norwich, who were relegated from the Premier League, made more money than AC Milan from winning the title here. We know how how important it is for clubs in England to win or get promoted from the English Championship to get into the Premier League because the money on offer is greater, again, than our champion here in Italy. So this is a season. If we if we extrapolate this further and we look out to five, ten years from now, and that money continually comes into the English clubs while we're dealing with what we're dealing with here, this is not just another cycle of a league being dominant. And and again, we, we did I did discuss this on that on that podcast. This is very different to when the Serie A was the best league in the world in the 90s and when La Liga was the dominant force. Well, still sort of is arguably, but La Liga was the dominant force in the 2000s. The spending power that the Premier League have is unlike anything we've ever seen before. And the salaries they can pay, the transfer fees they can pay, again, as that money continues to come in, the gap becomes much bigger. It becomes much tougher for us to perform off the pitch, which ultimately means how we're supposed to compete on the pitch. And that now remains the biggest problem. So when we aren't getting our foreign broadcast deals right, we're losing further appeal in every other element that can potentially bring some income into the league. And with that, it's just another disaster. And at this point now, I don't want to make it sound like doomsday, but I really don't see any way back financially for Serie as a whole. And obviously, this is not something that any football fan wants. But when you look at the finances, you look at where the league is at financially, you can start to understand where the motivations came from the top clubs in Italy, the top clubs in Spain, with regards to the whole Super League concept. Now, I'm certainly not one for that concept, but these finances, 
is leading those presidents, those clubs in that direction. And I don't like that direction where football is potentially heading. Solid points for fans and people out there that want to know more about how football is funded. This is a, a huge portion of that. And what you, your point about the, the revenue reinvestment of the English clubs and the league in general, the English Premier League, it's such a massive difference. It's a good segue to go into what the EPL does with their modern day marketing. You know, you can see in Italy still we're stuck in this era where you walk the streets and you can see the same pamphlets and A3 posters on the side of the street with the default <laughs> design for a politician and the latest Lucho Dalla tour. You'll know what I'm talking about when you when you walk the streets of any town. Could be exactly. the Festa of the Madonnina. <laughs> the money is the key difference as the quality is still there in Italy. At risk is the ability to attract the world's biggest talents, as you mentioned, Adriano. Another point I'd like to bring up, remembering that the default second language of the planet in terms of Western languages or Indo-European languages are English and Spanish. Correct. So they have the advantage there. English more so, as over a billion people on the planet use English in everyday life. So the EPL, big winners there. Closely followed, obviously, by Mandarin, but we all know where those people are based. Then Hindi and then Spanish, French, Russian, Portuguese. Italian doesn't even register in the top languages of the world in terms of spoken numbers. 15% of the world's population can speak English in terms of total speakers. Now, there are only about 70 million people in the UK, plenty of colonies, as we all know, we're from one around the planet. But when you compare that to Italy, outside of Italy, the estimation is that only five to six million people speak Italian regularly. Mm. Yes, there might be a large number of people with Italian heritage, which is where Serie A needs to really drill down on and focus, but the vast majority don't speak Italian regularly or grasp the mm -hmm. language at all. And we've all got family members like that. So just having the benefit of English being spoken in massive numbers is huge for the Premier League in comparison to Serie A. Even La Liga has the advantage there over Serie A as Spanish is, is spoken so broadly across the planet. So for me, the main issue is Italian football's failure to adapt to the English-speaking markets and audiences, which is reiterated in your frustrations. Also, there's been a methodical, well-planned, intelligent, long-term plan from English football in general to go into combat, to overtake and occupy the apex of the code at club level. You know, we've seen that. It's been methodical and instrumental since mm. the mid-90s when they rebranded. They went and got a bunch of Italians to come over and, and they lured slowly some of the world's top talents. By the 2000s, we saw their plan come into place with foreign investment, with Russians and people from the actual MENA region come in and buy massive clubs. Mm -hmm. And this is something that Serie A has failed to keep tabs on, in my opinion. I think you've summed it up absolutely perfectly. And, and, and you're right, that is at the core of the frustration for all of the problems that currently exist in modern day Serie A and Italian Amen, football. Fratello. I love living in this country. I love life in this country. I love everything about this country. But there are those outdated approaches, a bit of lack of respect for anything at times that's not Italian that does interfere with our potential growth. And that is something very sadly which those at the top of various organizations, not only sport, not only culture, but those at the top of various organizations across this country in Italy simply do not understand. And it doesn't come down to a lack of intelligence. It doesn't come down to 
anything like that. There are some very, very bright, intelligent people doing wonderful things in this country, but it just comes down to a bit of a lack of awareness and perspective that the world is a little bigger than this country. And that has impacted our growth into massive markets like Asia, massive markets like Africa, the Middle East. This is where we're being held behind because it, obviously England with the, with the language stats you provided, which are very fascinating, obviously they have that advantage immediately, but they've put a 30-year plan in place, which is now paying dividends. We have not put any plan in place whatsoever. And we come back to the fact of, we were once the best, so we'll return to be the best. I think the best example of that in a football sense is you just look at the Azzurri, look at the national team. Covering the European Championships last summer and, and watching Italy win up close, the second ever European Championship that we've won was, was a brilliant, brilliant experience. One that I, I would happily not give up to. Obviously, we've missed two World Cups in a row, but I mean, to enjoy, have enjoyed that, that was one of the greatest things I personally could have experienced. So, Certainly don't take that for granted. But there is an element to winning that title which is going to work against us, and I think it already did in the fact that we've missed another World Cup. We've managed to find our way, navigate our way to success when we need to historically. And in doing so, it doesn't allow us the right time or, or approach to really put some time into saying, well, there are still actually holes in what we are doing here. There are still issues in what we are doing here. And I think the fact that we actually won those Euros made us think we were a little better than we actually were on the pitch, off the pitch as an organisation. And as such, well, we actually weren't. We, we got a little bit lucky. It meant we didn't need to address a few other key issues that needed addressing. So we just thought we'll continue doing the same thing. And it will work. We'll beat North Macedonia. We'll take care of Portugal or Turkey. We're the European champions. We'll go to a World Cup. Now, that's just one example of a time where I think 99% of Italian fans were aware that's not going to just happen. We failed against Sweden five years ago, the exact same reason. We put the wrong individual in for the job, thinking, ah, oh, he'll get us there. We'll then deal with it when we get there. It doesn't work like that. And that's the same approach that Serie A have taken. Again, let's bring the, the foreign rights back in. That's the same approach that's taken there because, and I know firsthand, I... Very fortunate to work on a number of competitions for seven or eight different broadcasters across the globe. I know the discussions that these broadcasters have with Serie A and how they differ significantly from discussions with the Premier League, with La Liga, with the Bundesliga, leagues that are continually trying to improve and better their product into these markets. And I can give you a story from 12 months ago when, and you'll know well, very well as well, into Australia and India, two of the markets that I work into, the broadcast rights for Serie A were still unsold with 24 hours to go until the season kicked off. Now, in what other competition, especially a top competition in world sport, would that be the case? It just would not be the case anywhere. And in the end, being... They, well, they renegotiated, they signed a new deal for the rights into Australia, so it continued as it was... But in India, a massive market, I was working for the rights holder, Sony, who had had the rights for six years, done some incredible work, weekly coverage, studio coverage, really growing the product into an audience of over 1 billion people, obviously a massive country. They sold the rights to another broadcaster, Viacom, who a new broadcaster coming in. 
They sold them a great deal, paid a little bit more than Sony did, but they were actually a broadcaster without a platform. The platform only commenced in the back end of the campaign, so Indian football fans were unable to watch Serie A for an entire season. Shocking. And there's no regard, there's no respect for that, there's no one kicking up a fuss about that. They got their money, put it in their pocket, and they've moved on, and, and that's where the change needs to come. We've missed out on a massive market there. Mina had Serie A on YouTube, and there are questions now being asked about being in the relationship going forward. So this needs to be clarified because we're missing out on big money, big opportunities and big potential to grow, which, again, just cannot be good for the game and the brand going forward. Sure. In terms of market share, that is uh, immense. And you're right, with outdated approaches, look, let's not totally throw Setia under the bus, but it does seem like they've parked the bus. The Pullman is just set there and, and, and it takes them so long it takes Italy so long to move forward it's kind of like they're just looking at what other people are doing what other organizations are doing at times and trying to test and see what works and what doesn't perhaps it's not the right way to go they have made a few small inroads into these markets but as you said in terms of maintaining these relationships that's where Serie A is falling over you know going back to as you said, it was a 30-year plan by uh, other leagues to, to, to combat Serie market share. We've seen the Bosman ruling come in, the globalization of the game in general, which has favoured these other leagues that were always looking at Serie and wanting to be Serie England is always going to have that advantage, I believe. The lower leagues here, for those that don't know, I'm based mainly in the UK, they're closely followed and well-funded. You can go to a fourth division game here and they're packed. There's five to 10,000 people. They're well-funded. The community's massive around these clubs and they're broadcast and they've had their own TV rights deals. And there are commentators that will commentate Serie biggest games on a Sunday night. And then they will be commentating a lower league match on a Saturday afternoon because it's in demand here and it's in English and people around the world can buy that subscription and enjoy that. And Serie A has fallen over in the foreign languages department in the past. They have worked on that. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a product of that. I commentate Serie A and Serie B. But as you mentioned with the Azzurri, you know, we're, we're Italian blooded, you and I. We feel it in our bones. And that's not discounting all the non-Italians who are honorable Serie A lovers and disciples. But that is the power of broadcasting and coverage. There are non-Italian honorable Serie A lovers and disciples because we can see the experiment in the UK in the 90s, Channel 4 and Football Italia, they showed Serie A at a time where the English Premier League refused to show their own code. And what happened was all these British young men and women, they went out and they watched every Sunday Lazio versus Cremonese or Parma versus Juventus. And they fell in love with the sport. They saw for, for how beautiful it actually was. And it developed a massive following of Italian football in England. And there are people still that jump on planes. They book EasyJet. They book whatever flight. They go and watch uh, Como on, on the weekend. But <laughs> in saying that, we're falling down in Italy where we take too long to announce game times and what day they're going to be on. And obviously, for those who have ever lived in Europe, the sooner you know the fixture time and the fixture day, you can go and book a flight, book your hotel, and it's going to be cheaper. But we're giving these people two or three weeks to organize things when flights have doubled or tripled in price. And exactly. the likelihood of them booking and going has diminished tenfold. 
And I get people sending me these messages all the time because working in commentary is like, when's this game going to be played? Well, sorry, but the league still has to release the fixture times. And I'm sure there is a logistical reason for that, but it is frustrating to the fan. And that's something that needs to be worked on. The power is there. We've seen it in the 90s with the English experiment with Channel 4. People love Italian football. And we need to get that broadcast into all these different territories with Adriano's face on there telling them all about the games. (laughs) And Serie A needs to wake up. They need to smell the café have a little bit of a cornetto with it and, and get moving. <laughs> well, no doubt. And you you know, the, the frustrating element of that is that on the face of it, Serie A, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know another league in world football that has the history and quality of clubs as Serie A do. There, there are seven or eight genuine historical clubs that play football here that have made their mark in the history of the sport. There are multiple cities that have history, culture, tradition, everything that everyone loves to visit. We have everything going for the product. The product is just not being marketed. And that is the most frustrating point for me because it's been now highlighted by some of the foreign investors that have come in, hasn't it? Because Comiso, for me, it was was the, the main one, obviously coming to Fiorentina, investing and basically saying, well, first things first, Clearly, we fix this stadium immediately. It's a no-brainer, right? Well, no, because you're in Italy and things operate very differently to the United States. So, unfortunately, that's still gone nowhere. But given the history of these cities, the, the tourism, the food, the culture, the tradition, then the quality of football and the history of these clubs, this seems like it's the easiest product to, to sell in world sport. Everyone wants to come to Italy. Everyone dreams of visiting Italy. Everyone who comes here wants to come back immediately. How much How much easier does it get? The product is there to be sold, but we still can't do it. And you just could only imagine if that we had the English Premier League marketing team marketing this competition, where we'd be at. I think we'd be at the top of sport in history. That for me is the frustration. We've got a great product. We've got great people who are passionate about the product. We've got great voices. We've got everything. Everything is there but the leadership at the top to market and sell correctly. I can tell you one organization that's going to be spending a lot more time to get their product out for this upcoming 2022-23 season in terms of English speaking and broadening their audience in general. That is Setia B. They're going to take advantage of the the good PR that came from Monza being promoted, mm. uh, you know, and, and the likes of Lecce and Cremonese getting back up, the playoff series, Palermo getting back into Serie B, Bardi as well, Sutrol's first qualification to play Serie B in the first time in their short history. So they're looking to, mm-hmm. to really uh, enhance their spread. And I, I know it's only a, a small portion compared to Serie A in the world, but they are being broadcast now around the planet on, on different platforms, which is great to see. Obviously, not on the likes of BN, but there are some some decent apps out there we can subscribe. And that is another thing for me. Mm-hmm. Another point I would, I'd love to bring up is the fact that when you look at the English mm-hmm. Premier League, the championship is almost as big. When you live in, in the UK, the championship, you can't escape it. It's huge. It might not have all the coverage that the EPL does, but then when you go League One, mm-hmm. League Two... It's huge. You can't escape it. You know, I go and get my hair cut and they're talking about going to support the local team, whether it's 
uh, Cheltenham or or uh, Tonbridge, whatever it is, they're all involved and they're getting there to the games. They're watching on TV. They're having away trips. And that is something that is fundamental, I believe. Serie A needs a strong Serie B. They need a strong third division as well. But when you get b- beyond the third division, and we know how shaky the third division can be and how easy it is to declare bankruptcy. And we've now seen Palermo on the way back up. We've seen it with Parma. And, and I'll link in Parma with something that you said, Adriano, when you said some of these iconic clubs that have the history, we could name any one of 30 or 40 Italian clubs, Parma is the Italian club that is the fourth most successful club in terms of UEFA competition. And they're playing Serie B. They went bankrupt recently. But now we have that foreign investment aspect where Italians and the diaspora are coming back in and injecting funds. Now we're going to see it with uh, the likes of Ascoli, Genoa is there, Roma, Fiorentina. That is a positive. Maybe it will gather momentum as time goes by, we hope. Look, I think... Serie B this season on paper looks as exciting as any Serie B season I've ever seen. You, some of the likes of obviously Genoa and Cagliari being relegated, two clubs who are obviously very, very long journeys in Serie A. With Palermo, the takeover there, some of the clubs you mentioned as well, Venezia being dropped down, Cormo. It's a very attractive league. And I think you're exactly right. I think you were spot on in saying that it needs to be strong from top to bottom. That includes your second and third divisions. And again, something that England have done have done right. We know the prize on offer, which obviously makes it more appealing, the championship, given the fact that we know that the riches that are on offer, if they can finish in the top two, gain automatic promotion, we know that. But obviously still, same rules apply in Italy, albeit for, for lesser financial return. But there is that prize of getting amongst Italy's elites. And and I think they need to market that. I think that appeal needs to be there. And while I am sad for a club like Venezia, who obviously finally got themselves back into the top flight and have gone back down, from what I have seen on social media, from what I have spoken to a few people involved at the club, it does seem like they are going to continue, at least with the, the marketing that they had started to implement Last season, I like that. Oh, it's been sensational. It's been, it's been absolutely sensational. And isn't that great? Everyone loves isn't it. Isn't that great? It's yeah. going to bring some eyeballs to Venezia, to that club, to that city. It's what we want. And ultimately, if Monza's story can help add some appeal to Serie B, if Venezia can continue to do that with some of the new big clubs, I'm really fascinated by Palermo. We know how, we know how, well, we know a couple of great runs Palermo have had as a club now with a bit of money coming in. They've been a club that have developed some very special players in the history of football. Let's see a few of these famous clubs get back in. Parma, of course, as well. There's so much quality there. There's so much history there. And this is Serie B. Serie A, obviously, as well, with all of the history in the clubs that we have. So, again, just coming back to the point I raised earlier, there are so many selling points to our our football in this country. National team, clubs, there is just so much history. When you combine that with the history of the cities and and our and just everything to do with this country, it's an easy sell. We are making it hard for ourselves. We are our own worst enemy. And and again, the, the biggest frustration, I think frustration will be the word with, that we use the most in this chat because it is frustrating when th- we love it. We're passionate about it. And you mentioned earlier, there are others who, who maybe aren't, haven't had as much exposure to it, but they're the ones who need to be respected more than you and I. 
They're the ones who we need to appeal to. It's those new potential customers of the service that is Serie A who we need to appeal to. We need to to sell them this beautiful product. Everyone wants to visit Italy. Let's announce our fixtures, our schedules a little more in advance. Let's make let's discount some tickets for foreign visitors from certain parts. I just let's be innovative in this capacity. Let's really get some eyeballs on our competition. So I hope it starts with Venezia and Serie B. I hope that a few clubs in Serie A continue to ramp up their their marketing and what they've been doing online because it's really great to see and and I love to see more than just Italians talk about Italian football. Every word you just said, it sounds like the the Serie A gods are speaking through you and <laughs> this is what they want. They just need their disciples and, and those that are running the church to get moving. We have to thank and, and commend those involved in the social media aspect of the English-speaking world. Some of the provincial clubs out there are doing brilliant work. There's Bologna, Fiorentina, Venezia, as you said. We need others to get involved. Of course, we know the big three or four, they're always going to have good social media. They've got the budget, but you can see that Serie A clubs don't even have a social media presence, some of them, and a lot of the Serie B, but this is something they're all going to need to work on. Correct. And, you know, I, for one, I'm sticking my hand up. I'm saying, you know, if you need help, we're here. We speak English fluently. We can work with you and we can get this over the line. Slow, slow, as Norna would say, but we'll get there. Don't put the foot on the gas downhill. Put it on and get uphill when you need to. Just start rolling. That's the key. Start rolling, at least. <laughs> in the broadcast space, a lot of people who, not not a lot that work in certain leagues, but a lot of the British, I find, if they're working in one of the other leagues that's not the Premier League, well, they're just it's just work for them. This is what I've found through my my dealings with certain broadcasters. If the network purchased the rights to another competition, well, they'd be more than happy to do that English competition immediately. I think it comes from a very different place when you really have the genuine passion for Italian football, which I have come across, but not so frequently. So it's great to great to have that discussion because, again, it's not something for me that's super common, especially in, in English. At the end of the day, that's that's the reality. And that's sort of what we were discussing a bit earlier with regards to these networks that buy all of the leagues. Very often, British are the bosses at certain networks. And that's all well and good. They do a wonderful job. But as British, they obviously are more inclined to covering the Premier League. So if there's that mid-table match in the Premier League between Brentford and Crystal Palace, or there's Lazio against Genoa, well, Lazio Genoa has not little chance, but zero chance of being on instead of the English game. And and again, that, that just holds us back that little bit more. It lacks that studio coverage. We don't get that opportunity to have experts. They're not going to invest in pundits. That's what I think the the viewer or the everyday fan doesn't really see. They don't see that side of of football. So ultimately, the networks are broadcasting all the games, sure, but they're really selling you the English game. They're giving you pundits in the studio to listen to, to learn from. And that doesn't happen so much in the other leagues, especially the non-English leagues. Oh, absolutely. You, you only see that in terms of uh, Americans doing that. CBS exactly. do a decent job exactly. or they'll cross live to Adrian Del Monte, yeah. but you, know, you won't see too much of it oh. with um, Serie A in general unless they have that passion yeah. It's just a job yeah, for some yeah. of these people. Just a job. Yeah. And you understand it, yeah. but it doesn't help. It's just a job, but it's, it is what it is. So Another analogy is imagine an Italian commentator, Italian speaking, mm -hmm. 
working in Italy and having to commentate the Dutch or the Korean league. They just don't have that inner passion that a Korean or, or someone from the Netherlands would have. Well, we'll get off the subject of Serie A broadcast rights. Well, I've got you. I know you're a busy man and you've got places to be. We'll go into the Aussie theme here. Catania recently has been taken over by the Peligra Group. Proud as an Italo-Australiano? What do you think? Of course. So I've actually just returned from Sicily. My family are from Messina. So obviously remember very well the seasons where there were Messina, Catania and Palermo all in Serie A. Very special time for Sicily. But look, beautiful scenes, isn't it? Italian Australians coming in, investing in Catania. It's what we need. Again, they, these are in their own right. All these clubs have history. They have appeal. Their their cities, their towns, their cuisines, everything about these places are different. So, look, I'm I'm all for it, and we need to see more of it because these individuals that are investing in our clubs, in our competition, are doing so because they see potential, they see promise, and that's exactly what we need. And I think the more the more the merrier. I think if we can work together as one, obviously everything we're saying, not disregarding those that are running the show at the moment, but working together, coming together and pushing the product together and growing it forward together. Uh, I'm I'm very excited about all of it that's coming in. And of course, with the with the Australian touch as well with Catania, it's extra special. It is, and I've spent a lot of time in Catania. I actually played for. Catania Cricket Club back in the day, believe it or not, there is a Serie A and Serie B of cricket in Italy. That's another discussion which uh, perhaps, I don't know if you ever Next rolled time. your arm over back in Australia, Adriano, but of maybe course, we can have a cricket course. pod one time. Let's do it. City Group has taken over Palermo, which is another step in the right direction. It's foreign ownership and it's not necessarily Italian, but you know, fifth biggest city in Italy, it deserves big representation. So we'll see how they go in Serie B. They're looking to make some signings. We've seen, uh, now we're getting on the subject of actual football on the pitch. I've got a little segment I might try and bring into this pod. I want to call it the spazzatura section, where for those who don't understand what a spazzatura is, it's like the big industrial bin where you throw out garbage. What do you think of this Cristiano Ronaldo to Napoli rumor? Do you think it's spazzatura material or? For, for me, this is, there's one word to describe it in Italian. It's impossible. For me, no. Ronaldo to Napoli. I, I tweeted about this yesterday. I, I think it would be the second biggest move in the history of football after Maradona to Napoli. But no, I don't, I don't think that this has any chance of happening. I, I have a good hunch where Ronaldo will end up. It, I think it just makes the most sense, but I don't think Napoli will be the one. Yeah. Although I would love that. I would love to see that. Yeah, the, the romantic in me wants to see one of these uh, superpowers in terms of individual players in uh, Naples, you know, I've got a bit of an affection for Napoli uh, since I was a little kid, always following the Partenope, but uh, I, I non ci credo, uh, we'll no, say. No. Uh, what do you think of Romelu Lukaku? Do you think Inter are now the Scudetto favourites, given that one signing? Or do you think there's a, a bit of a recipe that needs to be sort of baked and put in the oven and see what Simone Inzaghi can do? I do. I, I think Lukaku back is... Uh Obviously, I think he'd take back that 12 months if he could, but I think ultimately this is going to work as it was previously. Lukaku and Lautaro had a wonderful partnership, and like I think that Inter will be the, the clear favourites to win this season. I think they're a very complete squad. Inzaghi's second season at the helm now, I think it's a very exciting time for Inter, but I'm hoping for their sake that they can go deeper in the Champions League. I think that has to be the focus this season. For all four Italian clubs, I'd love to see at least two quarter finalists, 
probably Inter and Juve, and I'd love to see Milan and Napoli get out of the group. It's been, I don't think we've ever had all four get out of the group. So I think that would be a, a timely moment for us to, to do this, to get ourselves back back up there and back in Europe performing very well. Actually, it's probably been 20 years since all four got out of the group in the very early days where we had four involved. But this season for Inter, I would love to see them make at least a quarterfinal of the Champions League. That's my objective for them. Yeah, sounds great. Or everything you just said, and, and that just shows how strong Serie A was on the European stage, as you mentioned a couple of decades mm. ago. And Romelu Lukaku to Inter, having that 12 months, as you said, he was taken away from Italian football. And that's the power of the English Premier League and clubs mm. like Chelsea, where they can just go and splurge 100, 120 million on someone and take them away. Exactly. And this is kind of what Serie A could do back in the day. There was, you know, it was a lot more moving parts back in the 80s and 90s when the likes of Zico would go to a provincial club or Maradona would, would go to a, a fledgling Napoli at the bottom of the table. But that is an example of what we've been talking about during this interview and this podcast. That's the power of what a long-term strategy can do. And on that note, we'll say goodbye to Adriano Del Monte. He's at Adrian Del Monte on Twitter. He is one of the leading voices on Italian football. Grazie mille, Adriano, for joining us. Grazie, amico. We'll do it again soon. Lego Football.